Hey there, welcome to the Literary Escapes podcast. I'm Becky, and I'm glad you're here today. If you're a fan of books that give you an escape or let you explore other cultures, then you're definitely in the right place. So I'm glad you've joined us today. Stick around. We've got a great author interview for you. So let's jump right in. So Sue, welcome. We um, are very excited to have you in our book club this month. Just a little bit about what we do. Every month we visit a different destination in our book club. And so we have been, this is our third year together, and we have been all around the world and back again. And because I'm in the U.S., it's much more fun to go elsewhere than to stick to home, but we have done a few around here. (laughs) And so this month was Italy, and we're thrilled to have read one of your books. So thank you for joining us. Well, thank you very much for inviting me. So have have you got an Italian island summer in in America yet? I thought it wasn't there yet. It's not yet, no, because I was going to do right. that one and then I couldn't find it, and so we wound up reading one summer in Italy. Oh right, okay, so that's one of the books set in Umbria. Exactly, exactly. Which, um, yeah, sorry, it's uh, for seven years I went for a write uh, to a writing retreat there. So Ooh. the um, the Hotel Casa Felice is that building only expanded a lot. That's a, um, okay. So it I hotel was, sized. That's really cool. I was going to ask if the Hotel Felice was um, or Casa Felice was based on something. So that's really that's really cool. Do you tend to do that in most of your books where something is based on something? Yeah. Um, it is they are often based on some uh, um i've seen uh like today i'm writing my book that i'm in france to research my book for summer 2024 that's in the uk my schedules don't always move together but i think that one may come out in the us in in uh, the same summer and so i've been sitting in a square deciding which building is going to be the restaurant and what kind of chairs and tables they're going to have outside, whether the owner is a a sort of a chic black or a muted colors or, you know, right in your face, jolly colors. Um, (laughs) And so, yeah, I I have have taken photographs of the actual building and I know how much of it her apartment above it encompasses and which is the dining room, etc. So, um, well, I have an actual map of Camper, which is the town where I am. Uh, you know, they give them out in the hotel. So I've scribbled all over them and put crosses and circles and everything. But if it's a village I create, which the other part of the book will be set on the Isle of Skye in a village that I'm going to create, um, then the map will be on my website. Um, there's there's two or three maps on there already of villages that only exist in my books uh so they're there yeah that's fun so one of the okay let me start at the beginning we kind of jumped right in but um so let me back up a little bit you were an army child in the u.s we call it army brats but (laughs) okay (laughs) and it looks like you spent a lot of time in really interesting places around europe which that's pretty yeah well I was born in Germany. Um, I was only there for six weeks, so I don't have good. Don't German. remember much. <laughs> um, but 
I don't remember much, <laughs> uh, but I can have a beer in German um, because my brother lived there. So white beer, brown beer, big brat, big beer, small beer. I've got it all covered. Um, and then I moved to Cyprus for about 20 months. I don't remember that either, unfortunately. Um, but then we went to Malta, back to the UK, back to Malta. So that's the part I remember. So Malta okay. is kind of the home of my heart yeah. and my new release in Canada at the moment is uh, Summer on a Sunny Island, um, which is set in Malta. And the mother, Rosa is the heroine, and the mother, Dory, I've given her my childhood, really. She went to the same school. She has the same feelings. She, you know, she's in love with Malta still. She jumps down the throat of anybody who says rude things about the army and <laughs> like that. That's fun. So how did you... And and it doesn't look like you like jumped right into writing. Is that correct? Uh, well, I never stopped because of interrupted education. When I, I didn't start school till a little late for the UK. And then when I went to Malta, they just caught me up. They just moved me a year. And um, nobody had taught me to read and write. And uh, I could write Susan with a back to front end. And that was about it. And wow. I could count money. Somebody had made sure I knew how money worked. <laughs> um, so I, I fell behind. So I was six by the time I learned to read. But as soon as I learned to read, that was it. I knew the way to fiction land. Um, I used to tell elaborate lies, uh, which <laughs> I think were good training. <laughs> Um, and I, as soon as I knew that somebody created what went between the pages, I wanted what between the covers, I wanted to be her. Nice. And I thought I would be. Um, I, I didn't get on that well at school. I think I didn't get on that well with teachers because I always thought I ought to be running the show. And um, it looked kind of hard to be a novelist. And I decided I would be a journalist. So I saw the careers teacher and um, he said, what do you want to do? I said, I want to be a journalist. And he said, well, you'll need to go to university. You'll need to stay on at school for the next two years. That's between 16 and 18. And then go to university for four years. So I said, well, I'm not doing that then. <laughs> so what can thanks I for do? No thanks. <laughs> I can leave school now. So I went and did a secretarial course. And the very first day at that college, uh, somebody was talking about the local paper. They, I don't know if you've had the same scheme at all, being a cub reporter, where you train on the job. So you go straight from school and you train being, you know, in the paper. And I found out my local paper did this. And instead of going home and writing to them and saying, I've only just discovered and I'm really keen and by next year, I will have shorthand and typing, so you won't even have to teach me all those things. I just went home and in a grumpy mood and, you know, was in a bad teenage sort of strop. So um, so I stayed in a bank then. After, after secretarial school, I went to a bank, which I really enjoyed, actually, because I mainly worked with the lending team which means you had all kinds of stories coming your way all yeah. the time. You know, so-and-so, the marriage is breaking up, and then you find out they're actually living with a different customer because um, <laughs> it's quite a small town. Right. And there are only four banks there, so you had a quarter of the <laughs> banks with you. 
Um, so that was really interesting. There were some very sad things as well. And it taught mm -hmm. me that money is a really emotive subject. And I use that quite a lot. And I notice other authors when they don't, when they gloss over something financial. And I think, well, you couldn't do that because the insurance wouldn't let you do X or whatever, you know, or the bank would never agree to that. Um, so I, it all the finance always makes sense. I've just emailed one of my old friends from the bank to talk about safety deposit boxes just before I came on, on here because he'll know he stayed in the bank longer than I did and he'll know what was happening there in 2001. So I really oh, did attention to research. So um, I finished with the bank and I became a mother and uh, we made the decision between us that I would work part-time in the evenings and my husband would work during the day. And so then we wouldn't pay for childcare. So we did that. And something really important, uh, he suffered some ill health, so it, it reduced my capability to work for about three years. But he got over that. Um, he was just too stubborn to die. And um, so uh, I something important happened then was I answered an advert for an audio typist. I don't know if you would have the same term for it but basically somebody who wears a headset like you do and either listens to tape or somebody speaks to them and types it really 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 quickly right yeah doing shorthand so it was with a sports newspaper called motorcycle news and which is is still around and um so all the minor correspondents from all the sport around the country and and abroad in the UK uh, um, on Sunday evenings would phone in their reports and several of us would be sitting there taking the reports. And why that was important was it trained me onto computers. First of all, it trained me onto what we used to call IBM then, what we call PC now. Right. And then they went on Mac, which is brilliant. And I've never left Mac since. And through someone who left there, I then was got another part-time job. I had three at one time um, in a typesetters. So that taught me quite a lot about okay. how magazines lay out there, you know, and how yeah. things like quart work and what you see is what you get was the big phrase at the time. So that all happened in the 90s. And at the same time, I did a course. Um, it wasn't for a qualification. It was more for personal development. Um, and they said, if you don't earn your fees back by the end of the course, then we will pay them back. Well, that turned out to be a fib. Oh. Um, <laughs> and then they went bust. Oh. So um, I never got a certificate, but I had tripled my fees. So um, I'd started selling short stories to women's magazines. Okay. Um, so that was where I started. I sold my first story on April the 1st in 1996. And I thought maybe it was an April Fool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it wasn't. I was paid £65 for that. Mm -hmm. And so I bought myself a proper chair. You know, I was on a, a typist chair, you know, that's really small with just a little piece for your back and a little mm -hmm. piece for your butt. And you had to sit really like this. Um, so I bought myself a big chair with arms and a headrest. Nice. But unfortunately, it had a woolen covering and it gave me a a rash on my behind <laughs> who'd have thunk even through my jeans so wow. i had to give that to my children to play mario kart or whatever and i had to have the little type of chair back ah. 
Yeah, so I, I did a lot with magazines for a while. And that experience at Motorcycle News taught me how rude they were about freelancers, how rude the staffers were about freelancers. I won't tell you what they called them, but it wasn't clean. Wow. And, um, and so I didn't go into magazine work with unrealistic expectations. Um, I knew where my place was in the pecking order and right. how many people were trying to do the same thing. Um, so, you know, that was the start of it, really. Very exciting. And so when did it change from like magazine articles to long stories? Well, it started with long stories. I wrote two novels, oh. which were so bad but they went in a landfill somewhere and that <laughs> genuinely is the best place for them. They were terrible. I just wrote down my daydreams. I had two hours in the week when both my children were either in school or preschool and one evening when my husband was out at camera club and that, <laughs> that evening I used to pretend to my children it was later than it was so I could put them in bed by seven and uh, I used to actually change their clock in them and so I wrote those sort of five hours a week. That was Sue time. Um, and they were really bad. And I did have the temerity to send them to publishers. And they came back so fast. I'm sure you could have fingerprinted everything but the front, front page. And um, so I thought that was when I thought maybe I need more education than I had. Yeah. And um so that was when I did that course and I learned a lot about fiction. And now one of my top tips to people who want to write is to always educate yourself. That doesn't mean going and doing a degree in creative writing if that's not what you want to do. Yeah. But there are so many conferences, conventions, books, magazines, one-to-one -one mentorship, you know. There's so many mistake. options. Yeah. yeah, it was a big mistake to think I knew it all. It's been my mistake all my life, really. Yeah, so I had been writing those novels. So all the time I was writing short stories, I was always write, also writing novels. Okay, so the first couple of novels that were really bad, did it feel good, though, to get them out of you? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And yeah. I used to imagine myself... <laughs> It sounds so sad. I used to imagine myself being interviewed on telly by the really big Saturday night chat show hosts <laughs> and what I would say were my literary influences. I didn't even know that you need to be yourself and not say, oh, well, I, you know, I'm heavily influenced by this person or that person. Um, so, yeah, I was so, so tragically flawed. My <laughs> but <the thing> is, <laughs> I did not give dream, up. dream, though. Yeah, I did not give up. Uh, and my husband was very supportive. He could very easily have said, isn't it about time you went back to the bank when the youngest child was five? Um, he never did. And um, I just expanded my career as time allowed, as the children yeah. became older and I had more time. And really, as long as that meant that I was doing his share of the household tasks as well as mine, he was okay with it. And I think actually that's, it's not a bad bargain really, <laughs> because, yeah. you know, four of us ate out of his pay packet and he didn't keep much back for himself. So, you know, now he's retired and I'm keeping him and I'm glad. It's um, nice to be able to so, turn the, yeah, turn the yeah. tables, so to speak. 
yeah and he, he's glad too he's he's taken yeah. to <laughs> yeah so so yeah I did magazine serials before I actually got a novel published Ooh. um and then uh, I sold a novel in or my then agent did in 2005 um and the end of it wasn't written so that was quite scary that would be uh, yeah and I, I'd had a really really bad day one of my my computer we had one computer in the family and it had broken and I suspect my younger son had done something to it because that's what he used to do um, but my elder son then said, oh, my essay's on that and I've got to hand it in tomorrow or that's it. I'm going to be suspended for a week. Um, I said, why? They've got to give you. Yeah, well, this is my third chance. So I was <laughs> not impressed with him. I took the and it was when a computer was a tower. So I carted it off to the computer shop. And just got there before five and they said, oh, yeah, give us the file name of the essay and we'll get it off for you and you can put it on a thumb drive. And I said, I don't know what the file name yeah, what is. What the heck are you talking about? <laughs> and I found out I'd left my phone at home. So I stormed off to my husband's office and ran home. So I got the wrong son, but he was able to give me the phone number of the correct son. So I was able to call call him and get the file name. And just before I put the phone down, and I, you know, I'm really quite grumpy. He said, oh, by the way, Laura rang. And it was like one of those jokes, you know, like everything else went away. And I said, what did Laura want? And she said, will you ring her straight away? Laura being my agent. So I said, Ooh. yeah, okay. So I rang number one son and, and got the number, I got the, the file, file name, computer shop and gave it to them and said, I'll be back at Harper's Five. Then rang my agent. And she said what I'd been hoping to hear for so many years she said I have an offer for you ah and apparently my end of the conversation just went I'm you're joking you're joking, you're joking. and then I sort of walked out in a dream and my husband went hey <laughs> <laughs> um so uh I I he took me out to dinner that night I said that novelists don't cook <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Which I've since found to be untrue. <laughs> so I can't use that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can try. Maybe your husband likes cooking or is better at cooking. Uh, and then, um, yeah, so we went out for dinner. Uh, my son didn't get suspended from college. And when I came back, number two son said, um, somebody called Marina has been on the phone and she says she's your editor and she'd like to congratulate you. And it was like, oh, I have an editor. <laughs> so it was, it was quite, that book owes me nothing. Um, that was the eighth book I wrote. I have been wow. back and sold some of the others. Um, but so I sold that to Trans, uh, not Transworld, I wish it was, uh, Transitor. And they published it for four years and gave me the rights back. Nice. And okay. then I uh, self-published it for years, right up until about three years ago. It was just online as a as an ebook, and at one time that was I had another book in the top hundred for quite a long time because my then publishers were early adopters of ebooks, and um, that book was earning about seven hundred pounds a month for me. Nice. And nice. then I rewrote it a couple of years ago for my now publisher, HarperCollins, 
and they put it out under a different title with a new cover. I didn't change the story. I just got rid of all the rookie rubbish and it got me a new advance. It earned more than one of my front list titles that year. And it was number one in, I mean, it was top 20 on Kindle, top 50 Sunday Times. And it How was exciting. In Malta where it's mainly set for all of last summer. Every time I went back to Malta, there it was still at number one. Oh. So that book owes me nothing. Never give up. Never That's give exciting. Up. So so basically you're an overnight success, right? 20 years <laughs> to be an overnight success. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's I love the stories of people, mostly women, but people who don't give up and just keep doing it because this is what I do. I'm a, you know, I'm a writer. This is what I do. And, um, and eventually it pays off and that's so exciting yeah. to hear. I love that. Yeah. So well, I'm not alone. I know I'm not alone, but I am one of the people who took a long time. That's okay. That's okay. You learned a lot in the process, I'm guessing. So you grew up traveling around and seeing a lot of stuff and it sounds like you still enjoy the travel piece I, I asked you this earlier when we were off camera but is there anywhere that you've written about that you haven't visited um north uh, ireland the republic of ireland um last year's no yeah no this book sorry i, I get so confused because <laughs> i'm working on three books at once i would imagine um, yeah plus they're out in different countries at, at different times um, so yeah, so an, Ita an Italian island, island summer, which is out in the UK now, the heroine was the best friend of Zia in Under the Italian Sun, which is three years old, two years old, something like that. So, so, so many reviewers and readers said, can we have Ursula's story? Oh. Um, I gave her her own story and she transfers from being a tattoo artist to being a ceramic artist. And it's the story of her fresh start. But um, she, what I knew about her was she came from Dublin. Um, so I haven't been to Dublin. Okay. Uh, I think about it last year, but it looked really rainy there. So um, I have a friend who's from near Dublin. Um, and so she, it really is almost all the conversation, or every, all the scenes take place in people's houses. It's only a couple okay. of times. So it's like her parents' house, her sister's house, gotcha. her Uncle Jerry's house. And Uncle Jerry is a mischief maker. Uh, he's the guy who paints his house blue while his wife's away when she wanted it white and things like <laughs> that. Um, so he gets, he, gets, he gets Ursula into trouble as well, really. Um, so, yeah, so I wrote about that. And for a couple of short stories, you know, I haven't traveled to Australia to set mm. short stories there. And I did struggle with Christmas in Australia where you would be running into department stores to get out of the sun rather than running in to get out of the snow. Out of the snow, or, yeah. How interesting, yeah. huh? Yeah, that was, that was difficult, but I managed. <laughs> so is there a um, setting that you would like to visit and write about that you haven't done yet? Oh, hundreds, I guess. Well, loads. I really, I really did want to do Christmas in New York because I've been in that part of America. My brother lived in Stamford, Connecticut for several years in two okay. um, tranches, if you like. He worked for Avon Cosmetics. <clears throat> and um, so uh, I, I do knew, know New York a little. And yeah. I thought, I've never been to New York in the winter. So 
I want to. <laughs> that would be fun. Um, and New York and yeah. Christmas in New York City seems like it would be pretty. Um, there's a lot of beautiful things I think that happen, magical yeah. things that happen. It feels like so. Unfortunately, my editor wasn't quite so keen. Um, <laughs> I think they had had an author at that imprint who'd done it, like uh, books or something. So okay. saying I can't do Greece at the moment because one of my fellow authors at my imprint is also in the same agency as me and she writes about Greece so Dang I've been discouraged from that well that's um, too bad yeah it is really it is really but yeah there's loads I mean anywhere <laughs> that's safe and warm really I don't want to do backpacking through a war zone that's not me no no what about Spain have you been there done that no, I suggested it this time uh, because I have a friend who lives, oh, what did she call it? Campo or Campos? Okay. They're very small villages and they have to have their own water and sewage supply wow. and stuff. And she thought, oh, that sounds great. I bet that's really rustic. My editor went, mm, which means please don't do that. That's not a very commercial decision. <laughs> well, so if it's set like in a olive grove kind of thing you know maybe you can do it or a vineyard or i don't know if yeah, you have vineyards and yeah. it's interesting but... really um the company has just done a um market insight into so many percent 40 percent, i think 44 percent actually read my books and then some more read in my you know books like mine Okay. And then the rest read in a more general women's fiction area. Um, and they just asked this focus group um, all these questions. And Vineyard scored really low. Really? That, that yeah. is amazing. I was disappointed. I'll yeah. tell you. I've written about a vineyard. It was awesome. Um, yeah. I love reading those. So. <laughs> so, yeah, so this... In a way, it's great because my what my editor's saying is that I've become of a stature sufficiently that they'll do these things for me in an effort to help me keep making a step, making a step. So, you know, why would you then go, nah, I'm not listening to you. Yeah. I'm going to New York and Spain because um, <laughs> that's, that's not going that's to That's what I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> that's not going to make me popular and make them get behind my books you know another yeah. shiny is going to come along who's writing exactly what they want right that's the business that's the business yeah well that's interesting huh so where do you get inspiration for your characters oh everywhere um they're not usually real in any you know it's not like I could say to you well I did tell you that I gave my background to Dory that's okay. about as close as I get and I felt well I'm not going to offend me am I <laughs> um and really I sent myself up I wasn't being very serious about myself you know I'm I slightly exaggerated um and my family thought it was quite funny um I try not to let my voice come across and I try not to let real people's voices intrude because then my imagination keeps coming back to reality and I don't mm -hmm. want that. Um, sometimes I see a picture or I see a person and there's just like this clunk 
Um, yeah. I was in Malta when I was writing An Italian Island Summer, actually. Um, I, I went to Malta on a writing break. My husband goes to play golf in Portugal once a year. So that's my excuse to take off for Malta on my own and do exactly as I want for 10 Lovely. days. And uh, and I use it as a writing break. And um, I was writing this book and I just saw this guy. And it's not like, a, oh, even though you're 30 years younger than me, I think you're hot, so I'm going to put you in a book. It's it's a much more visceral, just this thing. Yeah. That's him, that's Alfio. Um, and so just that snapshot in my head. Uh, so he has long, curly, dark hair, a bit longer than mine. Um, and he's tall and, and lanky just because I just saw this guy or I see a woman who who has a long plait and walks with her toes slightly turned out and it just does something it just falls into and you fiction lab. create a background for them and yes, uh, you know yes <laughs> yes I, I have I have I have a notebook and I like to scribble uh, when I'm doing characterization and that's where I start with my hero and heroine and I, um, I'm just seeing a question come up. Do I photograph these people? I haven't quite been that <laughs> that bold yet, but maybe I should. Yeah, secret. <laughs> yeah, just this thirty-year-old guy, stranger in shorts and and sliders, go up and say, "Excuse me." I swear I'm not creepy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm gonna put you in my book. Um, sorry, I forgot where I I got. Then I just love that idea. <laughs> um yeah so I so I write by hand I like to oh, know wow. it's only the the characterization and notes I do by hand something just blah, 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 comes out down my nice. arm um it's like if I'm doing a crossword I've got to hold the pen I can't do the crossword without the pen that doesn't work so I start off I want to know their background because nobody's mm -hmm. born on page one I want to know what they want and what their big conflicts are and if I can make her conflicts conflict with his conflicts, yeah, that's insane. and I get to the end and I've painted myself into a corner and I have to really think hard um, to put the whole thing together and find a way. Because you do get to that situation. Is he going to give up what he wants or is she going to give up what she wants? Or And I'm very against her giving up what she wants. Or are we going to somehow find a coexistence, you know, a compromise? Yeah um so that's sort of the very rough framework and I like to look at a character from lots of people's points of view so you know maybe if it's the hero I want to look at him from the heroine's point of view primarily but also um maybe his parents or one of his parents if he still has them maybe his boss maybe his brother maybe his best friend maybe an ex-girlfriend because I believe we're different with every person mm -hmm. you know I I never used to use much bad language in front of my mum, even though she was ex-army, you know, don't say crap. And, <laughs> um, so, um, but in, with my brothers, there are no All boundaries. Different language, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I think we're, you know, we're that little bit different with everybody. And so yeah. I like, if I look at them with a lot of important people, then I get this multifaceted, character and it's it's like um what do you call it when you're acting method acting okay. that you like think like the character I don't I'm not you know I wouldn't if I'm writing about a homeless person go and sit in a doorway to do it but like today to go and sit at the building and think now I know this character you know is a little 
uh, how would she have made this restaurant when she took it over from her parents? And will she live above or would she like to live somewhere modern in that part of the city? No, I don't think so. I think she lives above. And it all just, it's, yeah. I say, it's just elaborate lines all over again. That's it's a good quality if you're a writer. <laughs> so what themes do you see running through your books? Um, yeah, I do like to know my themes as well. So um, as just just uh, in, in case you haven't, well, no, you said you had read one of my books, but um, it's more than a romance. Mm -hmm. Everybody has their own story, but the romance is part of it. So they do right. have quite conflicts. You said you read One Summer in Italy. So obviously Sophia's big motivation was the the promises to her father. Yeah going to Italy to try and um, fulfill them for him. Um, but her themes of, um, she's kind of detached from the life she's had and it's been the life of a carer really. So mm -hmm. to find herself again in that there different was, world. There was a push pull of that's kind of who I am and who my heart is, but I really don't want to be there. And yeah. Yeah. And how do you reinvent yourself at that age? How do you find out who you are when all you've been is a carer, really, for the last mm -hmm. few years? Um, and Levi, I really like Levi. Um, and I made his garage one in the town I was brought up in for several years when we left the army. Oh, fun. Um, a guy called Bullet, he really did used to come out, run out if you ran, if you walked across his forecourt. Get off my forecourt! So, uh, <laughs> so I put him in. <laughs> He was a friend's dad, actually. Um, yeah, so so Levi was in a much better place and his themes were more familial. Well, they were both, all of them were familial, I suppose. But yeah. quite often I write about recovery. I like people having fresh starts. Yeah. And there are some quite tricky themes. Um, Ursula in An Italian Island Summer, she has been the victim of drug assault being roofied. Ooh. that actually took place around the linked book um, because she was the best friend she was going through this aftermath with her husband and what I found really interesting about people who were roofied was well there's a couple of things one was it's not always about sex it's about mm -hmm. power right and so a lot of people who are roofied are not actually assaulted they might be humiliated in some way, but it doesn't mean that they're going to be a victim of a rape. A lot are, but not all of them. Um, and the other thing is the people around that person, the victim, for want of a better word, don't always react well or supportively. Right. Because it's a huge shock mm -hmm. and nobody knows what happened. Was she sexually assaulted or was she not? Yeah. And she doesn't know. And this well, wife brought you're her in home. a drinking situation if you've if your drink's been drugged you're in a drinking yeah. situation which gives people the opportunity to think all kinds of different thoughts about that yeah so. is it your fault is you know is it the victim's fault did she ask for it yeah. um which is another of my yeah i see from your yeah. face you've been saying <laughs> one of my hobby horses you know um, no, it's not the woman's fault for being roofied. It's the man's fault for roofing her. 
so um yeah so that is you know quite still uppermost in my mind um and the book that uh, I've just been proofing, I've just sent the proof notes back today is my next Christmas book. That just fell into my lap. I've never enjoyed writing a book more. I was at a writing conference last summer and this lady said to me, I have these love letters and I want to give them to you. And I said, OK, I don't want those, you know, but <laughs> the thing was that she'd found them in her sister-in-law's well, she and her husband had found them in his sister's effects when she died. They had known that she had an affair with a married man and that she'd never married herself. And she um, had carried this on until she died. Wow. Um, in some way. I don't think they had actually met for some time, but they still telephoned. And there were all these letters. There's nearly 30 years worth of letters. Wow. And wow. he remained married all this time and they just didn't talk about his wife. And wow. uh, so she came and gave me these letters and she said, my husband died a year ago today. And I, you know, they are social history, but I don't want them. I didn't yeah. like my sister. And some of them are, I don't know if you have this phrase in America, ripe, you know. Okay. Um, and they were explicit. I'll tell you, oh, <laughs> I had to read them on my own. Um, and so I took them because it was quite fascinating. I spent mm. two days reading these letters, which took us up to, oh, when was it? Um, early, yeah, 1993, I think. And she died in 2002, I think. So that period, either she binned all his letters or it was only the telephone. Um, because they had begun telephoning much more, I guess, mobile phones, cell phones were cheaper. Um, and they, it was fascinating. It was okay. absolutely fascinating. And he'd been an army sergeant. Uh, she'd been a civilian in the barracks. Um, it's not a barracks, I know, but we were stationed there for a couple of years. And it was the Ministry of Defence and it was my dad's regiment. What? My dad. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, so I became really invested. And when I got to the end of the last letter, like, well, you know, I want to, be able to go on to Amazon and download the next The rest story. of the story, yeah. And I couldn't. So I talked to the lady who'd given them to me and um, she hadn't read much. She was hugely embarrassed by them. Yeah. And she hadn't read many. Um, but she was saying things like, oh, I suppose it was, I won't tell you her name, my sister-in-law, um, who was chasing after him I said not at all not at all believe me he was because he was he got in trouble I mean it obviously came to light that he was seeing a single woman when he was married and they worked in the same office so he was posted oh. to Scotland to Aberdeen in Scotland and this is from south um, just west of London south okay so it, you know in the that was in the 70s so that was quite a long way, particularly with no um, no cell phone coverage or, or right. anything like that. And long distance days, calls were expensive. Expensive, yeah. And it's not something he could put on his home phone bill. Right. He had to put the phone kiosk. So it's absolutely fascinating. So I gave this story to my heroine's great aunt, who she's the carer of. Um, okay. And I killed off the guy unfortunately 
um, for him because I just I just couldn't I couldn't work out how to bring him back in and still have Ruthie looking good, you know. So um, and I made them make a baby together, which didn't happen in real life. Right. I changed all the names. Um, but it's called the Christmas Love Letters and um, okay. the theme of Love Letters runs throughout and Ruthie the great aunt has very bad vision now which is why she needs a carer she's 80 now and so Maddie the heroine reads them to her Ooh. and she'll say oh stop there he's going to get adult and she goes yeah good I'll, I'll stop there you know she doesn't <laughs> want to read those out but I thought it was a nice illustration of what being a carer being in that it's a codependent relationship in a way isn't it because mm -hmm. Um, if you are the person who needs care, you have to let somebody do things you don't really want. And if you're the carer, you have to do things for someone that you'd rather that you not. don't really want. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I've, I, I, uh, I've had some feedback on it from my niece. She just read it, proofread it for me. And, um, she's, she really liked it. So hopefully nice. other people will as well. Yeah. Awesome. So how many books do you tend to write in a year? Two. That's what I'm contracted for, a summer book and a winter book. Okay, that's what I was going to ask. And so you have a, and they both, it seems like they both are kind of travel escapism um, No, some of, them, some of them are just in the UK. Okay. Uh, particularly the winter books. Um, okay. I have this called Middle Dip, which is in Cambridgeshire, where um, just ridiculous sounding names seem common there which is why it's got a slightly ridiculous name which I never really expected to get published when I when I, <laughs> when I created it um but we used to take the children to the east coast to the to the sea and uh for holidays you know we had a a caravan and um or a tent and there was this stretch where it was before sat nav um it was just a straight road and my map reading wasn't you know wasn't necessary so I just sat with the map book and created two villages and a town there's like a space <laughs> so <laughs> there's a perfect space for your made-up town yeah. yeah it's somebody's farm but um that's <laughs> where it is and I never thought that I would write 10 books over two publishers um so a couple of those are partly in middle dip one's partly in middle dip and partly in Sweden and one's partly in middle dip and partly in Switzerland and the reason they left the village was in both cases because a friend said, if you want to come to X, you can come with me and stay with my mum or my husband or whatever, and I'll translate for you. Perfect. <laughs> okay, that sounds good. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, so I was going to ask about your fictional towns that you create. Um, and it are they based on like a compilation of things or are they all just kind of they're just what I want really there, okay. there's little things like um in middle dip there's a place called the cross but it's not cross shaped there's only three legs to it <laughs> but that comes from a village close to where I live in Northamptonshire um there are several in the UK places called Queen Eleanor Cross and they were places where Queen Eleanor's body rested on her on the route to the final resting place and I can't remember who her king was perhaps somebody with more historical knowledge will remember but he named a he had 
he caused to have raised a cross in each place. Oh. Well, Queen Eleanor Cross, where I am, has only got three Y shapes, so I gave it that. Um, some of the names are from my mother-in-law's village, a couple are from my mother's village in Yorkshire from when she was a child. Some I just um winter street for a white christmas in winter street was just sounded like a good place for a christmas book absolutely um, i wanted to call i wanted it to be called christmas street and have a white winter in christmas street but my editor wanted to swap it round <laughs> uh, so that's why i have a winter okay. street rather than a christmas street uh, <laughs> but it has a christmas street competition in it you know one of these competitions oh, yeah all the houses put up as much blingy light as they can um, <laughs> and have a community project so yeah so no these things just and, and my editor will sometimes say well can we have this and well I'll need another street <laughs> and so I, I have to sort of put white paper on my master copy and draw in or reroute the stream or something yeah <laughs> um, and then I have to re-photograph it and send it to my web guy who has to add it onto add the it in yeah add some more houses in and yeah, yeah that's it every time I write something in middle dip he has to locate it on the map update and, and, yeah 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 it's, it's a funny wild, it's a wild existence isn't it being for author. sure yeah that's a pretty cool thing to to have and to have created I like that it's fun yeah, that's really neat. You commented on this earlier. Um, one of my questions was, do you have series or connected books? And it sounds like the winter ones are all... Yeah, it's, it's, it's always been done on whim before. So a lot of books have been set in middle dip because readers ask for them. Uh, and they say, you know, oh, is it a middle dip book? And they like to occasionally see that the shop has changed hands or there's this old character called Gabe you know that he's still around there's a pony that's about 105 because I don't kill it off um, <laughs> like it. um and then I um I have I, I set one in a Norfolk village Norfolk is an eastern county in okay. England um which is another place I like to go so that was like where do I want to go I'll go there <laughs> and um the winter book I've just written is like a companion for that. There are no, there are, it's the same village, but none of the same. None of the same characters. characters. Okay. And then the, uh, not the book, the book you've just written, uh, sorry, read um, One Summer in Italy, that has kind of a companion book under the Italian sun, which is set in the same place, but doesn't have the same characters. Okay. And then an Italian island summer is linked to that because you see the heroine again now she's all loved up and pregnant and the best the heroine of this book is the best friend of that book right, so right you see these links okay not not everybody gets them okay. they don't realize some of them are linked more firmly than others but having said that my editor now wants me to be a bit a little more intentional um, yes intentional great word <laughs> We're planning the whole next three books. So That's pretty time, exciting, yeah. It is, yeah. It's about three sisters who were adopted, and so they each get a book. Um, and Thea comes to um, to uh, Campere, where I am now, surprisingly enough, to find her <laughs> mother. And she finds out that her name is not 
what she thought it was and she had a different surname and her mother went to prison and oh it's quite exciting so i was gonna ask about the book but it may not you may not be ready to ask about it but are those do the sisters know that they were adopted yes and they were okay. very happily adopted they okay. were very happily adopted by two musicians called maxi oh. and Vince. they were sort of session musicians and backing singers that kind of yeah not, super, not superstars right um, so because that would be quite difficult to write about i think well i have kind of written about it before but i've got a friend who's a singer so that's very very helpful um i'm shameless with research i'll ask anybody who i think can help me will you help me and they they almost always do <laughs> i would think that would be interesting for people to be able to talk about what they do knowing usually. that it's helping you do what you do so yeah usually they are interested rather yeah. than you know difficult occasionally people don't want but that's that's fine i'm not going to pay them or anything except with a signed a signed book so yeah um i may have forgotten what your original question was there sorry that's okay i did too so it's, oh it was about the connected book so that's fine oh, right okay <laughs> I think I to, yeah. get off on tangents and so you're working on the three sisters series yeah. right now is one yeah. of those going to be a holiday book or are you going to take a break and know that when you say holiday you see when you say holiday and when I, I say holiday it may not be the same because you right. may be Thanksgiving and Christmas and I'm saying summer right so let me change that are is one of them going to be your winter book yes okay yes. so <laughs> I've started with the youngest sister Fia. All the sisters have got really long names and they were always told that that was to prove how much their adoptive parents wanted them. Oh, that's um, so cute. <laughs> so Fia's name is actually Alfiodora, but she's found out now that it was actually a French name, Altea, and then hyphen, and then Dora. And they sort of made her like her sisters because her sisters were adopted through an agency as babies but she wasn't adopted till she was 15 months old which she's only just discovered Ooh. so um the other sisters esmeralda and valentina so esmeralda will be the next one but she's always ezzy okay um, so she's the middle sister and she'll be the the winter one okay. and that will stay on the isle of sky that's not going to another country nice and with valentina the oldest more serious sister who is a lawyer although she's in with a small chance of being made a police officer it depends which one works best for the plot um she's going to come to the village she doesn't live there at the moment she lives the with french village um, no the, the, island, the village on okay. the isle of sky yeah gotcha. so at the okay. moment she's living somewhere like london or birmingham i haven't quite made up my mind somewhere where she's okay. in a big corporate she's in the legal department of a corporate of a corporation um and she's got a very legal husband and and she's going to get rid of him very proper life <laughs> yeah she's going to run away from that life and him i think he's going to really disgrace himself on saving up things for him Ooh. And she's going to come and live on the Isle of Skye with her sisters. To escape all of the trauma from... To escape. And they went there to escape. They lived in England um, with another southeastern uh, county, Suffolk. And um, they created a big lie there, one to protect the other. And when wow. it got a bit uncomfortable, they ran off and got a job in this hall, which is part of this village on the Isle of Skye. So one of them is the head gardener and the other one is the assistant manager. Um, so, Interesting. Yeah. Okay. 
I love creating halls and villages and what have That's you. That's so fun. I like it. I have a little scruffy pad with me that's kind of got little bits and so that's got the village on the Isle of Skye. You see? Oh, so fun. Very, very scruffy. But when I've decided more about it, I will put it on an A3 sheet <clears throat> and it will be done in pencil so, <laughs> so I can touch things without just scribbling. Um, that's, I was but, thinking the other day about, because I love maps and I love like when a book has a map in it. I think that's yeah. like the best. And especially if it's like a watercolor map, that's like magical. Oh, wow. <laughs> I've always that. thought it would be so fun to like be able to do that, to be yeah. able to watch it. And it probably oh, yeah. isn't a ton, you know. Was but, there, um, they are my, I see somebody, Nicole's just asked where they can find the maps. It's www.sumorcroft.com. And if you go to the writing tab, you can find like middle okay. bit books and the maps and and Fine. stuff. So you, you should be able to find them there. Uh, there's one of Nelson's Bar as well, the Norfolk Village. I don't think I ever got on with putting the Italian village on there, Monte Libertà. I like the uh, visuals of going down into town and the pink yeah. hotel. Yeah. That's, yeah. I could I could picture yeah. it in my mind pretty well so I, I appreciated that yeah I, I really liked I, I do find it easy to put myself in my mind during mm -hmm. the pandemic I don't know how severe your lockdown was but ours was pretty severe and um the first summer we had a really hot summer for the UK Oof. and I just sat in the garden writing about Italy pretending I was there yeah and it wasn't as bad okay I couldn't <laughs> go to the gym or see my friends or or see my son and daughter-in-law for that matter but um i could be in italy in my head that's a good place to be huh so what is coming out next you have a lot of books in the pipeline so country you're in. um this summer uh in the uk is an italian island summer in canada is summer on a sunny island us you haven't got a book this year we're just rejiggling sorry okay. <laughs> we were trying to catch you up with Canada, so all North America was together. But now this trilogy idea has come up. We're thinking again about that. So, um, yeah, so I don't know what's going to happen there. I think Germany's got Germany's got summer at the French Cafe, and so has Denmark. And Italy has got, oh, I can't remember. I'm sorry. That's um, okay. But we don't get anything. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm hearing. No, I, I'm I'm really sorry. Uh, you normally get it at the same time as the UK, but um, you know you can we'll get the paperback. Wait. You can get the paperback as a third party from a third party seller okay. in the US. We'll but keep an eye out for that. You can't that get the ebook. Um, yeah. Because Canada's five books behind because of differences in contracts. I came up with this brilliant idea because America, the US likes Canadian covers better than it likes UK covers and that was really obvious in the ebook figures so oh, interesting okay very very obvious so this was my idea well let's put the US on hiatus for five books until they catch up and then you can have the North American cover right from the start so that was the plan ah. now my editors come up with this and set once it's set in Scotland to appeal to US readers and I said well hang on <laughs> by the time three years is up u.s readers may not be keen on men in kilts anymore it may be 
you know, Welsh men in Wellington in rubber boots or something. So <laughs> she said, yeah, we need to talk about this. I'll talk to my US colleagues. So okay. I think maybe there's going to be a, I don't know how it well, works. Outlander's still pretty hot. So yes, I imagine yeah. kilts are still in for the moment. So <laughs> yeah, my hero is now Scots. Um, I haven't put him in a kilt yet. I don't know. <laughs> UK market is not quite so enamored of kilts. I mean, where yeah. I live, there's there's a town where a lot of, although I live in the middle of England, very much in the middle, there's a town where lots of Scots and Irish moved in the 50s, what was called a new town. And it, they moved all kinds of industry there and just took over spill from big cities and said, there you are, you can live there. And so if sometimes if you go to a wedding or something, there's a lot of men in kilts. And if they're not very young, and they're not very thin, and they sit opposite you, it's not always good. <laughs> really not. That paints an ugly picture. <laughs> All righty then. <laughs> when I picture man in kilt, that's not what I'm picturing. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So you could, you know, it's like women in short skirts, isn't it? Sometimes it's fantastic. Sometimes it's lovely, and sometimes more than you need. Yeah, yeah, you know. That's the way it rolls. I'm, I'm definitely past short skirts, and I'm, I'm sure everybody's there. <laughs> well, Sue, this has been delightful. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. I've enjoyed oh, thank it. Thank you for inviting me. It's been great fun. I'm going to go to the cafe outside and have a couple of glasses of wine with my Kindle now. Well, that sounds lovely. And uh, it sounds like we over here have five years to catch up on all the past. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining me today on the Literary Escape Podcast. If you enjoy hearing the behind the book story, then join me in the Literary Escape Society. We are a community of travelers who love books, or maybe book lovers who love to travel. Either way, if you need an escape, a literary escape, come join us as we read our way around the world together, one book at a time. Check out the show notes to learn more about the Literary Escape Society. And we'll see you next time on the next episode.